In 1874, the British government passed a series of laws called the Regulation of Public Worship. A lot of people cared an awful lot about church back then. True. On one side, people wanted more ritual and ceremony. On the other side, they wanted mostly none. In the midst of the battle, one minister, a rector in London at a church called St. George in the East, had stopped a practice whereby people who volunteered in church services could avail themselves of liquor from the rector's cupboard before and after the service. The Reverend King closed the cupboard. We have opened it again. Welcome to the rector's cupboard. Order! Well, welcome to the Christmas special of the rector's cupboard. We're gathered at our producer Rick's studio home. Some people call it home studio, but I like to call it studio home. And uh, here we're just going to talk about Christmas, and we're thinking that maybe people would choose to listen to us talking about Christmas. So with us here today, we have Allison Williams. Good morning, Allison. Good morning. We have Ken Bell. Good morning. Uh, we have Keith Williams, a special guest today. Good morning. Oh, <laughs> uh, How did we mess that one up? And we have Amanda, who is a sh- bit of a showrunner for us, who's chiming in on the mic for it's our good. Christmas special. It's good to be here. Hello, Amanda. So, and Gavin. And, Gavin. Oh, and we have special guest Gavin as well, who is our uh, gaming consultant for the yes, Rector's yes, Cupboard. Apparently the gaming consultant for a so Christmas special. So if we have any Christmas gaming questions, we will direct them towards Gavin. Welcome, Gavin. Good to have you here. So we're going to talk about Christmas. So in general, how is everybody doing? All organized, all ready to go. Most Christmas specials are recorded, what, Rick, like July or something, if you're doing like a show? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you actually have but things If you're together? doing like a Christmas yeah. show where <laughs> yeah. you've got... So we decided like that's... that. How do you get in the spirit, right? If you're in July and you fake snow. and So we've decided to record our Christmas special at Christmas time. That was the entire decision-making process. So this is very, process. very genuine. It is, uh, it's a date close to Christmas. What's We're the date? We're in the midst of it. It's 14th. December the 14th, which Merry this year Christmas. is a Saturday. So I just thought, how, how's everybody doing? Are you ready for Christmas? Are you... Mostly? You li- like, people are just nodding their heads right now. <laughs> like, it's super exciting. Yeah, it's super exciting podcasting. Are you ready? Some are nodding and some are going like, hmm, I don't know, but just without any sound at all. I hate that question um, because it puts so much pressure on you to think about... Are you already, like, I don't know what you mean by, are you ready for, how can you ever be totally ready for Christmas? Well, I just mean spiritually. Oh, spiritually. Oh, Oh, that's a different thing. In that case, I've been ready since July. Okay, so. (laughs) But it's true that Christmas produces kind of stress in you. Is that true? I think so. I have almost all of my gifts purchased. I'm ready to go. We are going to be spending our holidays in Ontario. And yet, I have this, like, angst that I can't even place. Because I'm super stressed about traveling, which is weird because I travel all the time. Huh. But, but just because it's Christmas I'm time. What do, when do you travel? Quote unquote, ready for Christmas because I have all of the gifts ready to go. And Gavin, who's not at the mic right now, you work in retail, right? You work in electronics, kind of like. Uh, so you work in a place where people, it gets busier at Christmas time. Yeah, it's uh, retail this year seems to be a little more low key than it has it's been. It's slower. Yeah, it's, mm. uh, people just aren't buying quite as much. They're shopping online. Online, Amazon, of course. Amazon. I can say I have done almost all of my shopping on Amazon this year, right or wrong. Anybody else? Online stuff? Oh, yeah. I actually got most of my stuff more locally this year. I, like, like knocked it out in, like, one day at a craft fair. At a craft fair. So people are getting craft local. Well done. I I, I could say that this year. That has not been the case in a lot of years. Also that in Costco. (laughs) There was (laughs) definitely... So I feel like I've I've, I've been well balanced. 
<laughs> we we did almost buy Todd a Christmas gift from Costco yesterday. You can buy like half a thing of prosciutto still on the bone. I like saw that. I was there this morning. And I almost bought that for Todd. And then I saw the price and thought, eh. I saw that this morning. See, my brother-in-law, that would be a great gift for him. Oh, he, just a hunk of meat. Just a, a, a lot of food. Still on the bone with a knife. Do you have... <laughs> Before we're going to talk about Christmas specials in a couple of minutes, but before we do, do you have general opinions on Christmas? Like, you know, here's what I like or dislike or something. Or Christmas is just so. We have generally people who enjoy Christmas time here. I know Rick does. Rick is I like I love super Christmas. into Christmas. Yeah, me too. Despite the angst, Ken, I love it. Now, Ken, you're an exception to this, or you were years ago. Have you reformed or redeemed or? Well, like with most things, I have very little opinion. Um, <laughs> No, I've, I've. Okay, I've so Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. No, Ken, you were going to say something. No, no, I, I, I. It's true. In the past, I had uh, cautions around. I, I don't. Know. In the past, yeah, I didn't like Christmas very much, but I enjoy it more now. So you than can I help us the then with this question before we get to the specials. For people who don't like Christmas, yes. What are the kinds of things that that we think you could start us off, but other people can chime in. Why why do they not like Christmas? I can anticipate some, but if I want to go there, I can say I mean it's the it's the fakeness, it's the decoration, it's the overwork, it's the anxiety it causes, it's the I'm trying to impress people, it's the guilt of should I buy someone a gift and if they give me a gift, do I have to get them a gift too? And and all the pressures and it just feel if to me it would rob everything from what I just wanted to do, which was enjoy the story so, of Christmas and stuff. So it was all that. Now I'm not there now. And I think I'm over, I'm overemphasizing those things, right, but, sure. but that to me is the, so that's kind of the, the stress. That's that kind of the daily frustration, like the, the bothersome things about Christmas and, but there's deeper levels to why people don't like Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I think for some people, um, people who have either significant people in their life that maybe have, uh, died or Mm -hmm. that they've been estranged from it's you see all these these images of happy families getting together Mm -hmm. and just enjoying being together and for some people that's that's not the case so if you're lonely you feel maybe more more lonely lonely. because there's this expectation or you know if you if you think about people who have like family strains it just emphasizes if you're getting together with some of your family but not all of your family you you feel that void it's, do you guys, I've felt this before, I don't like, and so our kids are 22 and 20 now, but, you know, the best time in my life in terms of Christmas, of course, when you're a kid and you love getting presents and whatever else, and um, but is when you have, if you have kids of your own and, and that kind of sense of them opening like gifts and just the joy, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I'll never forget the first time our, our kids got a gaming system. I'm looking at Gavin just cause, and it was a GameCube, and I still have like the video of it, like Aiden and Matt, they open up this present and they're like, a GameCube! And they're literally like shaking, they're so excited. And so you, you love, love, love that, but is there a pressure with Christmas too, like especially in those kinds of times in our lives that this year has to be better than last year? Do you feel some of that ever? Like, do people, you think some of this, some of the pressure is like how good you have to make it? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think that's, that's a big challenge. Like I don't, I can't think of us ever giving, and it's not that we haven't given our kids good gifts, but I can't think of a gift that we've given where they've just lost it on the gift. Now, maybe, right. maybe they did and I missed it. But for me growing up too, I, I think the one gift I remember getting from my parents was a comforter. 
Yeah, I remember a clock radio. Like, I was literally, I was riding my yeah, bike yesterday. I, I, got a, I got a blanket, a horse yeah. blanket, actually, that we're oh. still using now, actually. My but, parents gave us ATVs. What? 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 Well, yeah, one year for Christmas. It when was they like were they, six years old, no, the house and got an ATV. No, my parents bought a couple of ATVs for like our family. It was when we were living what? on an acreage. And Is we this like new to you, like, Keith? What? This no, totally no, it's not. Okay, we've Charles, only been married Alice's for 12 years. just changed Kay. dramatically. Okay, but that gives, that gives maybe a bit of a skewed impression of most of my childhood. This was one year, and it was like a big splurge, but we... Is that why you like working on cars and stuff now so much? <laughs> <laughs> No, we we got I they, they were used ATVs, but we would like go used up. ATVs. Yes. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but my parents had set up like this like whole like scavenger hunt. Like there was like a thing That's under the tree that we like went, impressive. and then like they were in the garage, and it was when we were living on a couple of acres in the back part of our yard. We built into an ATV track with logs and stuff like that. It was great. <laughs> it's like she's entered a different Christmas. Like I didn't know. I, like a different I also did you know this part do of her life? I, I didn't know from that my she parents? lived on acreage and had okay. an ATV You knew that we had ATVs. Okay. I did not know that the ATVs were. For the Christmas record, present. my husband and I have only been together for like fourteen years. So, well, but it, not everybody shares ATV stories. So I think that's <laughs> see for yeah. me. It so, is unique. For for me, yeah, the Gavin. Christmas presents that stood out were one year the first gift I unwrapped was a CD. But at the time, we did not own a CD player. So you know you're getting you're a CD. So my, a bro- my brother and I are sitting there looking at this CD thinking, well, this is nice, but what are we going to do with it? You didn't make the connection. Four or five, wow. four or five okay, presents later. There's a lot of people asking some questions <laughs> yes. right now. Four or five presents later, we opened the you're CD like, player. You're like, damn, we can't play this gift we got. Yes. Uh, <laughs> now, 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 here's the thing. My brother and I both got CDs. One was Michael W. Smith. The other was a Steve Green Christmas. Oh my god! Oh, that's good. Like red green, Steve Green. No, no like no, Steve Green, green Steve like green. the the <laughs> the Christian singer that sings a bunch of hymns. So yeah. now you you talked Gavin about getting a blanket. Is that was that you? Yeah. 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 Were you excited? Uh, at the time, I, th- I think I didn't quite uh, appreciate it as much as I do now. I mean, it, there's this very distinct difference between getting a present as a child and getting excited over something and getting a present as an adult and, you know, getting excited over it. Uh, as an example, uh, Amanda got us those DNA kits uh, a couple of Christmases ago. Yeah. And, to, uh, to make sure you're not related. Also that. Rick's not on a mic. Can you hear that? Uh, yeah, that'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to hear it. But the, uh, so that was all cool. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. Yeah. All right. Everything came out fine yeah. there. No worries yeah. there. But Just also being able to, uh, you know, track, you know, our, our past, you know, we're both adopted. So, of course, we didn't know who our people were. And at the time, didn't realize how much of a gift this actually was. Mm-hmm. It was just more finding out who we were. Oh, neat. Amanda's mostly British. I'm half Jewish. That's that's incredible. But then suddenly discovering that I could actually uh, actually meet my biological father. Who I, had, I had no idea existed. And this is like. Sit, you know, three four months after we got the kits, and then I'm still finding more and more. It's fantastic. That's amazing. And so I, that's I have a, a half sister that I didn't know about who I get to meet in Ontario in a couple of weeks as we're traveling. Maybe that is that why you're nervous? Then no, I, I don't. I don't think so. Okay, Th- this is probably the longest burning gift I think I've ever had in my life. <laughs> but do you? So I I'm thinking to the blanket and the clock radio and and stories of deeper meaning of Here, gifts Francis. and stuff. Oh. I've got something for you. Merry Christmas. A choo-choo train? No, it's five pounds of veal. <laughs> <laughs> but Daddy, I have Santa for choo-choo. 
Well, then go out and get a job and buy it, Chi-Chi. Aw, <laughs> oh, yeah. well, he's only four years old. All day long, I listen to people give excuses why they can't work. My back hurts, my legs ache. I'm only four. <laughs> Soon he learns that life isn't given to you on a silver platter, the better. Uh-huh. But apparently veal is. So the to, to me that five pounds of veal okay, sounds like yeah, one of the well. best Christmas presents ever. <laughs> so the my husband, everybody. <laughs> is it? Are we like grumpy old people when we think? You know, I I was a kid and I was super excited about getting a clock radio, and I think is that just the equivalent that back then that was a big deal? That was a long time ago, and or are the expectations higher now for kids? Do you think like is this literally like? You know, now you got to give so much more. I don't think I, so necessarily. I don't know. Like with with our kids, we've we've never given super extravagant gifts to our kids, but they just they love the the process. And I mean, my my husband Keith still gets very very excited about Christmas morning. We have a rule in our house that like him and the kids wake up at I don't know some ungodly hour, <laughs> and they're not allowed. Like it's like five or something like that. Usually six. Most of the time, Keith wakes our children up, and because he true. is by far the most excited one in the house. So I now have a rule that they have to make me tea before I will get out of bed, and then I will tolerate the ungodly hour, and we will open Christmas presents. It, but it is like, not just tea. It is a very specific. It must be a chai eggnog latte. It takes longer for them to make it, which gives okay. me more time in bed. <laughs> so what what are you so excited about? Christmas. I, yeah, Christmas. It's like, I don't know. Christmas to me. Was this pre-kids too, the excitement? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This, this has been my entire life. I have always. You look excited right now. Yeah. He's just a happy guy. I know that our, our listeners can't hear, but you can hear, you can hear excitement over yeah. the mic. Yeah. I, for me, I'm one of those people that Christmas Day is the best day of the year. And does it go down after that? It's like Boxing Day, you're kind of grumpy. <laughs> oh. No, no. Usually Boxing Day is still really good because we usually have another Christmas dinner with another portion of the family on Boxing Day. So it's just more it's food. more food and more time with people. So I, for me, that's I, the big thing. I share your excitement about Christmas morning. I think it's something that I still feel, and many of us do. And so we're going to <laughs> talk about the the Christmas specials now that we've watched. So I was, uh, it actually was on, when I heard this was on CBC Radio like a week and a bit ago, and they were talking about Rankin-Bass Christmas specials. So most of us here remember them. Rick and I and Ken are around the same age, and Gavin's close to that, and then the others are, you know, Various places, but when I was a kid, Rankin Bass Christmas specials were the Christmas specials you look forward to seeing, and of course, this like pre VHS even, and so like if they came on, you yes. made sure to watch, and yes. so that's Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, those ones. So uh, this thing I was listening to on CBC said, but most people don't know that there were nineteen of these made, mm-hmm. and only a few of them, like Nestor the Long Eared Donkey, I do remember. Ken had watched that recently. But then there's some even more obscure ones that didn't make it, like or maybe they were shown once or twice, if at all. And so we got uh, those of us who are uh, speaking on this podcast now to watch two of them. One of them is called Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. You all watch that? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I can tell because you're feeling great and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the other one was called Life: The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, which is that one is like a Santa Claus and Lord of the Rings kind of. Hybrid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not really Lord of the Rings, but attempting to be. So I thought maybe we'd talk for a few minutes in general about those Christmas specials, the ones like why why maybe didn't they make it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have some the name on is Killer Killarney. Yeah. This is Leprechaun's Blarney Christmas Killer Killarney. 
Leprechaun by birth, goalkeeper by vocation, spinner of tales by choice. Like the one about how we leprechauns brought the Christmas gold back to Ireland. Well, it was all because of a young lad. So all this is, Leprechaun's Christmas gold, is it's it's only a half hour one. It's 25 minutes or so. And the every one of these Rankin-Bass Christmas specials was based on a Christmas song. So Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Santa Claus is coming to town, and then they filled in narrative around that. So for some reason, somebody, one of the writers or producers or whatever, decided they needed to make a Christmas special with um, Christmas in Killarney, right? That's the song? You know the yeah, song? Yeah. And so they that became Leprechaun's Christmas Gold, which is, if you remember watching it, Not there's almost Christmas-y. nothing about Christmas in it. No. It, there's a lot about leprechauns. <laughs> And basically, it's like one little leprechaun, Blarney Killakalarney, telling a shipwrecked guy named Dinty, this young sailor who's been shipwrecked onto this island off of Ireland, um, how leprechauns work and wh- you know why this is Christmas gold or something. So the story is something like this. Don't, don't, you know, um, that there's this Christmas gold that the, the leprechauns have mined and now they're, they're hiding it in a mountain that they cover with clover so nobody can see where it is, except every time there's a rainbow, the rainbow points exactly towards it. So it's really not a great plan to start with. So there's this gold. And then there is a, the, you know, the, bad, the bad character. The She's, a banshee. She's a banshee. Yeah. She's a banshee. Yeah, so what's the, what's the narrative word for that, though? The, the bad guy. The bad guy. But... Um, <laughs> What did you Super technical. Antagonist. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Rick. That's what I was looking for. I said that. So you said it too? Yes. We okay. all said it. Oh. <laughs> but you listen Sorry. to the man. So the antagonist in the story is, speaking of that kind of thing, named Mag the Hag. And Mag the Hag is a banshee. Is that right, Rick? I don't know. Yes. She's she a banshee. Indeed. And so she's, but she's been, she's been uh, buried underground. Under a tree. Under a tree. Yeah, some like, Lord kind Patrick of, and yeah. yeah, don't don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. So it, then, but a, Dinty yeah. Dinty McGee or something. More. Dinty Moore. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dinty digs up the tree when he gets shipwrecked onto the island. No, he gets sent to go get the tree okay. on the island. Sorry. And and when he digs up the tree, the banshee is freed, released. and and she's released. And but the thing is, the banshees turn into tears and disappear. Something like that. Yeah. Unless they get gold by Christmas. Christmas morning. Though the, there's the only place Christmas oh, comes the in. the golden gold of Ireland's yeah. only seen by leprechauns. For we mine it in the middle of the night. And we chop it yes. into nuggets and we pile it into pots. Which we bury for the early morning light. Okay, now we sing. Oh, the golden gold of Ireland nobody's ever seen. Everybody remembers nobody's this listening, I'm sure, to the podcast. Nobody's ever seen. <laughs> That's different than the everyone knows. Everyone knows that rainbows end in gold. Like, we yeah, all know these songs song. from our childhood, right? Um, so, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, Mag the Hag needs Christmas, needs gold before Christmas. But... Blarney Killakalarney tells Dinty, but there's a trick. You remember this, right? Mm. I can tell. There's a trick. She she must be given it. She can't steal she can't it. She take can't it. steal it. She can't take it. Mm-hmm. She has to be given it freely or else she'll still turn to tears. And so 
basically the point, it's a fantastic point for a Christmas special, is don't, don't give, give anything people. away. Especially, and here's the superpower that Mag has. Because she really is, I mean, Mag the Hag. She looks like... She looks pretty obviously evil. Yeah. Except... Yes. She can shapeshift. Yeah, so dun, she dun, can dun. she can change into even a what's beautiful woman, a beautiful princess. Yes, who shows it shows so shows her shoulders. The eternal oh, temptress. I didn't know that, Ken, but I'm glad you yeah. picked it up. But the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, and so don't, so anyway, Dinty gets given all the gold because there's some trick that Mag the Hag has played, and so Dinty has all the gold now. And Blarney Kilcarnigan says, "Make sure you don't give it away and don't be deceived." Right. And so Mag can shapeshift, as we're, as as has been said, and the kind of warning is she'll go into like a beautiful princess or into like a poor person who's crying and in need. And so the idea is like, don't give your gold away to people who are crying. And that's the giveaway. Even if you shapeshift, not you, but Mag the Hag. If Mag the Hag shapeshifts, watch out because these these uh, banshees are always crying. crying. So the people you need to be on the lookout for are people who are crying. Well, you're crying. Yeah. There, there, no lass. Where did you come from? The sea. I was shipwrecked. You too. (laughs) My name's Dinty. What's yours? Colleen. I like when it's Colleen. Why do you sob so? For the others that went down in the briny. Can you cheer me, Dinty? Uh, That's beautiful. I remember, you know, we all remember watching that as kids and just feeling. So the. <laughs> so you know what happens. I mean, Colleen washes up on the shore, but she didn't really wash up on the shore. It's Magda Hag disguised as Colleen, and she says, "I know what we can do with the gold. There's so many people in need in Ireland or whatever, and we'll take all the gold if you just give it to me, and we'll give it." And then they play the song, "Christmas in Killarney." So they have this like dream sequence where they imagine giving the gold away, and they, that's where the song comes in. So he gives the gold to Colleen. And right after he does, of course, she transforms back into Magda Hag, and then she curses him for a hundred Christmases to to, to, sleep. to, to sleep. sleep. But somehow, for some reason, he comes right back again, <laughs> right? And then, oh, and Blarney Killarney and his wife have separated. Like they literally have separated, almost divorced or something. Like they've been apart for what a hundred years or something like that. A very long time. I very think it's long. a long time. And then so he and everything's gone bad because Magda Hag now has to basically fly to the golden where the gold is covered in the clover which is like the dead giveaway and the rainbow that it's there and so that little clove clover mountain opens up she goes in and she's like yeah the gold the gold whatever and she goes to touch the gold do you remember this she goes to touch the gold and just before she touches the gold it becomes christmas morning and so then she's like it's too late it's too late and there's like a tidal wave for some reason an earthquake and a tidal wave and she is like swallowed up and disappeared and everything is fantastic. Here it is.
morning too late. No, no, Christmas morning. It's very there's, there's a great line about Christmas. Glory morning. be, tis a miracle, a Christmas miracle. That's a and then this very... Line. If you're going to have one, Christmas is as good a time as any. <laughs> I think that's a more of this word. If you're going to have a miracle, Christmas is as good a time as any. It's just, it's a very cheery death sequence. What's Mag the Hag? Does Mag the Hag die? Uh, I don't know. There's a little part of me that's probably unpopular, but I feel a little bit bad for her. Do you like Mag the Hag? I don't know that it's that I like her, but I mean, her timing, just two seconds. It's tragic. Right? It's... I, I know it was so close, she and was that's so how close. I she think that is made it. That's how Christmas comes. <clears throat> like so it's close, so, yeah. Like you so just close. it was going to be okay, and then Christmas, mm-hmm. yeah. Too late. Now, Ken, <laughs> you were mentioning that, and we'll get to the life and adventures of Santa Claus in a minute here, but that you're trying to find the thread to what holds many of these Christmas specials together. So go with it. Give us something. Well, yeah, I think that whether whether you're lo- thinking of the classic Christmas shows, Charlie Brown's Christmas or Frosty or things like A Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life or even the Hallmark movies, what the thread that ties them all together is redemption. They may not be about the Christ child. They may not even be about Santa Claus. They may just be about family feelings. But some, I think almost all of them, I won't say all, but almost all of them have someone in there who gets redeemed there's a story of redemption so in leprechaun's christmas gold that's it's it's the couple it's they've been separated for a hundred years, years and their marriage is now redeemed. and they were miserable and they both were of them. they were miserable and <laughs> a wonderful life <laughs> bailey uh is is redeemed and scrooge obviously scrooge is redeemed and charlie brown's christmas everyone else is is redeemed because charlie brown was already jesus and and all these things and even in the hallmark stories someone oh. is redeemed and so i think i caught that did he say charlie brown was jesus i believe he did well whatever okay. anyway so <laughs> okay so i have a question i have a question for everybody that i haven't really posed before i don't think i'm you know, when these specials were made like 60s 70s whatever 50, like that one was made in the 80s wasn't it life no, and adventures life of santa claus was 1985 okay. but it looks a lot older than that but the the um I sometimes think, because I was a kid when I was watching some of these, and I always, even then I knew, like, the first kids who watched them were, like, older than me. So I was like, now, you guys, it's much more so that. But I now that I'm an adult, I can think back and I can ask the question, were, like, churchy Christian people upset at these specials, do you think? Because they weren't mm. Jesus-y enough? Or how... I think Christian people are just generally upset about things. So I'm going to say uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> So, yeah, because I think, like, Leprechaun's Christmas Gold, there's no mention of the Christmas story Jesus, whatsoever. No. Yeah. Um, which is, like, I'm not I'm not upset about that, obviously. Um, Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, no. Like, a lot of them play around Santa Claus. Nestor the Long-Eared Donkey at the end, there is there is the Christmas story in that. Definitely. And But Santa and the Long-Eared Donkey are around the the nativity as well, right? So it's yeah. like, the, I remember at the end, they're singing, there's, like, the Magi, the Wise Man, and then the... Santa Claus? And Santa Claus. Yeah. Which is pretty I cool, right? Well, there's that. What's that song? Is that Santa Claus is coming to town? Um, let's give thanks to the Lord above because Santa, Santa Claus, Claus is coming tonight. It's great. Yeah. It's yeah, I like it. Right, mm-hmm. it's good, but it's potentially upsetting. So, okay, Allison, you're gonna summarize for us the second special, the Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. Yeah, this one was made in 1985, which seems like definitely not long enough ago 
Uh, it 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 was quite a trip. I I was so very that's the right word for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was very concerned about what the writers' room for whoever like this like wrote this looked like. It it starts out it's very kind of almost Lord of the Ring esque, but like a not good version. And so you have this this great tall thing that is called the great act Gandalf Gandalf. yeah he's like Gandalf but with like moose antlers pretty much like he's just huge and then he calls all the uh, gathering of the immortals and there's like this worm thing that is in charge of the animals and then there's a wind demon who just like hisses and flaps big bat like wings and it it is quite a very Christmassy very appropriate for children I was like this would give my children nightmares I don't need my kid waking up screaming at the beginning there's that intro song that is just do you have that Rick do we have the song part yeah it's so dark and scary this song this is as they're in the characters the immortals Um, so the premise of the special is that the immortals are gathering to... In the forest of Brzee. In the forest of Brzee to... Uh, the great Ack wishes to instill the mantle of immortality on Santa Claus because death is going to visit him that night. Yeah. And so it's like an origin story like of Santa. he's going to go deliver gifts and then, then die. die. Yeah. Of course, after he delivers We the are gifts. called here to discuss the man known as Santa Claus. A mortal who has won the love of the entire world. Tonight, when he returns from his final ride, he will be visited by the spirit of death. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That is, that's dark. Yes, so then you're taken back. So he has this council, and they're like, why should we bestow immortality on this man? And they go back through his life and he's found and raised by like a lioness and then given to like this immortal fairy so who wants to back. be, this yeah, like back when he's like a baby yeah. and then he's taught by this like elfish kind of creature who knows all the languages, which explains how he knows oh, yeah. all the languages of the world. Including Star Wars laser sounds. <laughs> yes, some very Actually, interesting. Yeah, a lot of pew, 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 Yes. <laughs> oh, is that that guy talking? Yeah. Yes. Uh, he was speaking another language. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. The language of the birds or the language of the alligators. Right. So I and guess lots of Italian. You. There's lots of yes. Italian. Yeah. <laughs> I guess when the great Ack believes that Santa Claus, like the young Santa Claus is of age, he takes him out from the forest of, shoot. Brzee. Takes him out of the forest and takes him to the land of the immortals. But it's kind of like in like a Christmas carol where he like goes and visits, but he can't interact with the people. And he sees like this rich guy treating peasants oh, working in right. his field terribly yeah. and he tries to intervene and he's like are all mortals like this so they travel through the world yes they travel through and the, the world. world is terrible and the world is terrible so he ends up a lot like the the great act allows santa to leave this forest and it seems like they travel a very short distance before they get to like this valley thing and then like the arctic where They're he sets up Pole. yeah where he right sets up door. like a house and then all like the woodland fairies come and visit him and then he like you know gets them to help him build a bunch of toys for these orphans that cuz he's are so around. sad that the world is so terrible and yes, so, that he and there literally is i i'm trying to remember but i can't recall when they travel to like the middle east which is great you oh my get gosh some of that. It, it's the really travel to japan <laughs> yes it's yes. like oh every japanese trope is in this like mm-hmm. little one it, minute. it's really um, everything like a, you would think it would be life. 
This is a ter- yeah, it is. <laughs> Forget it's a wonderful. Well, life. but it's yeah. a wonderful life is kind of like that. They're traveling Quite dark. through like everything that's bad if you didn't survive. But this is way way darker, and uh, I don't recall there being anything positive said about the world. No, I don't no. believe so. Which is why he's like, I want to help people, and he ends up finding this this like tiny little orphan boy who wanders into a snowdrift and falls asleep outside his window. So he brings him in and warms him up, and he likes this cat that he has. Ooh, so yeah, Santa song. carves him a cat and gives it to him as a surprise. But Santa says, "If you go to sleep, there'll be a surprise in the morning." All of a sudden, a ton of orphans show up. Yes, because he goes back to the orphanage. quite a thing and so he wants to when he goes to try to bring the gifts to all the orphans there all of a sudden are these terrible yeah careful I, I'm trying to figure out how to set yeah. really terrible characters yeah. that are introduced as these what is a child oh no this is back when she's like oh yeah it's this is early on very always be and you know nothing of children because there are none among us. Yeah, no and children in the land of the immortals. No. It is so decreed by our laws. So decreed. Oh, and then the act starts singing. Yeah. Oh my yes. goodness. But now you've introduced so, these 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 bad the, guys antagonists. Like abominable snowman from Rudolph kind of, mixed with like a gorilla. Gorilla, really bad teeth. Scary and creatures. They can turn invisible and they steal all these and toys. Clearly playing on some racist. Ah, uh, yes. Very, very clearly. So they steal the toys after they go invisible. And so Santa makes like three attempts to go and deliver toys that he makes with the woodland elves. And they like beat him up and stuff. They like beat him up and they steal his toys. toys. And then the great act goes to war. So to there's defeat a war. Them. The valley is ours. We will do as we please with this. This is the war. Claws. Oh, and this is called the Laughing You valley. shall not harm my friend in any oh, way. Great as yours, immortal fool. So, you refuse to obey me? It is war. War. No one is master of the Ogwas. So, you defy me? So, there's this very um, interesting war sequence in which the immortals go to war with the Ogwas, and they, like kill them all. Just like one by one. It's kind of like... Yeah, the, it, it's a very like, next, like next sequential yeah. kind of war. And so then Santa can go and deliver all the toys. But we've got the end of the war, don't we? Like when the... Because it talks about evil. Your evil friends have been defeated. It is the law that good shall overcome evil. Forward immortals, charge! That was Meg the Hag. Franken and Bass just reused the Meg the Hag sample. I think so. (laughs) It was exactly the same, wasn't it? Too late. So then this becomes the origin story of how. So he's able to deliver the toys to the village, and then he's able to do that with reindeer that the like weird forest worm thing allows him to use. 
because he's not sure how he can get over the Laughing Valley in time. Um, and so then he gives, like, there's weird rules about how he's like, well, I'll let you use them again, but only one day a year, and that's in 10 days. So if you don't want to wait another year to give more gifts, and he's like, how so now there's it a new crisis. Christmas Eve. It must be Christmas So the Eve. new Christmas crisis is, I can't make enough toys in time? In so, 10 days. So yes. how is that how? solved? He, he goes and they try to find the gifts that the Aguas stole oh, from him right. for the many attempts that he made before. So they recover the stolen goods. On Christmas Eve, because he goes to bed thinking. Just oh, think best clip. all the disappointed girls and boys this year. See you all in the morning. Santa's Good going night. Yeah. Don't give up hope. Now he's tucking himself in. Not so happy tonight. Unless... <laughs> that is a clip you need to see. Yes. It is uh, producer Rick's favorite so, clip, and it, you'll see why. <laughs> If you look it up. So this is, is what the great act is telling this council of immortals about Santa Claus. And so like the, the end of it is they decide to instill this mantle of immortality on Santa on the night that he is supposed to die. So he gets home. So Santa would have died on Christmas Eve? After he delivered his gifts. I suppose Christmas wow. yes. Day. Christmas, Christmas Day. Morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but. Merry wow. Christmas, everyone. Wow. So, so tie that in with, with the incarnation story and. Just so let me know, it, just for a couple of minutes, what we think about these specials and, and in general, these kind of Rankin-Bass Christmas specials. big part of many people's growing up, um, that life and adventures of Santa Claus is dark, right? And obscure. And obscure. I don't, I've yet to speak to someone who had ever heard of it. But really? now I've, I've been work. happy to now go to work and share this story, and I've sent the link to so many people, and I actually know as so I come work, into work each day by the look on ticket, their face. You work at Ticketmaster. I do indeed. And so now it's just going all through Ticketmaster. I've been sharing the So link. this could be part of changing the world in the world of ticketing and events, because people could be generally more happy. After then, seeing the great after act? After seeing this, perhaps. Okay, I'm just Or that maybe we're just bringing a resurgence of Rankin and Bass into the world. People I think will that now might make this true. a Christmas classic. I think that might be true. But there is, th like, Ken, you talk about redemption. There is something else at the heart of these where there's, like, a crisis, which, like... But that's every Every story, show, every really. narrative, sure. And in the end, basically, usually, like, a Santa figure is allowed to bring toys to kids or to... Same thing in... And so, like, that's the stuff that, that revolves around Santa. We're going to move now to talk about, like all the way that that image has been used, Santa Claus, like for, for a few minutes to say, in terms of Christian faith and thinking about incarnation and what Christmas actually is, uh, what do we do with the Santa figure? I don't know, this was not my experience, but like my wife Jennifer, when she was quite young, none of them are happy about this now, either her parents or her, but she was told at a really young age the truth about Santa. We'll just leave it at that for all the children listening. Um, <laughs> and even now, she's still upset that that happened at such a young age. Mm. It was like, she she actually equates it in her mind to, she was listening to another episode of the podcast and Catherine was mentioning and Allison, you were mentioning both like praying the prayer when you were five. Yeah. Mm. And Jen's like, oh, I remember that too. And she, it certainly wasn't a cheery memory for her. Like, not that it was a bad experience, but looking back on it now, she was asking the same questions. How at five years old? was I kind of understanding these things. And then she added right onto that, that happened to me at five, and then I was also told around the same time the truth about Santa Claus. I'm imagining that's early. Yeah. What I did mean, you guys do in terms of, w w if you're growing up in faith environment with Santa? 
I mean, Santa was never really big in our house. Um, so generally we had like a family gift from Santa. There was like one thing, yeah. but other things were from our family or extended family and stuff. Um, so Santa was never really a big deal in our house. And as far as like what we've done with our kids is their stockings are from Santa and the other stuff is from us or each other. But that's not necessarily because you think it's like damaging spiritually to have No, yeah. I don't I don't think so. I mean, there's part where like I'm not kind of super attached to it because it was such a non almost non-existent part in in my growing up, but I don't have a problem with Santa. And I think that <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear, I am not anti-Santa. That's um, why you, that's why you don't want to get up on Christmas Day. Yes, exactly. Because you've stayed up late waiting to, you know, give <laughs> him a piece of your mind. <laughs> what, was it, what, was, what was it for you, Keith? Sorry, I'm well, gonna hear you. Yeah. Well, for for me, i the one thing I remember being Santa was like, and sort of as Allison mentioned, what we do with our kids is sort of what my parents did with me, where it was our stockings were from Santa, but. I seem to remember from a very young age Careful. realizing the truth about Santa. It probably had something to do with the fact that we lived in an apartment with no fireplace and therefore no chimney. <laughs> so my brother and I figured it out fairly early. Because so that's, the, what that's the flaw. Yeah. <laughs> you launched so, Santa away. But, but I had an aunt and an uncle who, when we went to their place for our extended family Christmas they would always put gifts under the tree for my brother and I and for their kids that were from Santa. And my brother and I always wanted to say thank you to my aunt and my uncle, but we couldn't because my cousins believed that their gifts were from Santa. So, And if I said thank you to my aunt and uncle, my cousins dilemmas. would all of a sudden... There be, are these oh, dilemmas oh. all through. Let me yes. get this straight, Keith. You and your brother pieced the Santa thing together, but the CDs that you got with no CD player, yeah. that was beyond the scope. <laughs> so I feel I should clarify that. The, no, no. the CD no, no. player was from my you don't parents. Need to clarify. The CDs there's were no from someone part else. Of, part of the rector's cupboard is there's no clarification <laughs> required. So I, uh, now there's a new thing, relatively new, the last number of years, called Elf on the Shelf. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this carries on Why one of the main like threads of the Santa. I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. What's Sorry, that's from Elf. Smiling's my favorite. There's this... He also likes to eat spaghetti for breakfast with, you know, chocolate syrup. chips and syrup on yeah. it. Yeah. He there's would. this thread in the Elf Elf on the Shelf um, kind of tale. I don't think there's a TV show called Elf on the Shelf, is there? I'm sure there I must think there's a, there a book that accompanies it, Yeah, though. there's a book. It goes and now with there's a book, and there's a whole and story. And and so Elf on the Shelf, the concept... Now, my kids are older now, so I didn't get to participate this in this when they were kids, so I might be getting it wrong, and I actually have had people upset at me for not saying it properly or whatever. But to me, it seems like the general concept they're playing with is you put an elf on the shelf, and then for the time before Santa, that elf is watching the children, correct? He reports back to Santa. He or she, are there female elves? Yes, Ooh. there are. Really? Okay. Yes. So the elf reports back to Santa, and what does the elf report? Whether or not you've been good or bad, or just what you're up to. Which wow. carries kind of, on the it's super creepy Santa. to me. Super creepy So to a me. minister friend of mine uh, uh, was in church, I don't know, recently. And he was talking, his, his little girls are younger, and they were really into the elf on the shelf. And he was kind of frustrated because he had to, every day the elf oh. moved and did mm -hmm. something it's special. Way too high maintenance for me as a parent. Okay. So that, he was like, oh, this is so frustrating. But also, he said one of his little girls took the elf every time she went to brush her teeth and moved it into the bathroom so that to make sure that the elf saw her brushing her teeth. Uh, 
right? Okay. So that's a, that's the thing, right? So the the thread that's it's being like played surveillance. with the thread that's being played with is that Santa or the elves or whoever is watching and keeping track of whether you're good or bad, correct? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's no different than the song. The Santa Claus is coming. Yeah, to town. he knows when you're you better, sleeping. You he better knows watch when you're out. Awake. Yeah, you better not cry. This is how Santa knows if you've been bad or good. He has spies. You pouted and upset. And when your you parents. start to hit yeah. December, Santa becomes a threat for some parents. Like, oh, stop absolutely. it, or Santa's not coming. Yeah. Which what? Right? Which is what we do with Jesus too, right? If you're well, not that's... a good little boy or girl, well then Jesus you know, you is coming for you. Out. I I don't know if this has happened. If somebody's done this, but. I'm going to contact uh, Margaret Atwood and ask for a market idea. She can get a piece of the take or whatever. Um, but that I'm going to market an elf on the shelf type thing for adults. And it's going to be connected into Handmaid's Tale kind of idea. So it'll be something like some figure, some cute little, um, you've read Handmaid's Tale, Amanda, right? I have, so yeah. some kind of what would be a character from Handmaid's Tale that you could turn into like a little stuffed toy. Anyway, think of that. Oh, the eyes. <laughs> oh, the man. eyes. Right? And it's called Under His Eye. Oh, I'm feeling very disturbed right now, which is why I'm a... actually not responding to you. I'm trying to process this. <laughs> but wouldn't it be fantastic? So the idea Highly of, marketable. If we're doing this to children, why don't we do this to adults? <laughs> we oh, do. Man. It's but called we do. Amazon Echo and... <laughs> but yeah, like, but the but concept th that God yeah. is watching you and keeping track of... That's still out there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, very much uh, absolutely. so. Absolutely. And it is a bit of a slippery slope because so we do, like Ken said, we have these devices in our homes now that actually do that. So I'm going to do the under his eye mascot. Praise is be. Is that okay? Praise be. Oh. So blessed be the blessed fruit. Blessed be the fruit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So like when it comes this. to Elf on the Shelf. I don't like this at all. A, a very interesting thing for Elf on the Shelf. In my daughter's grade two, three classroom, there is an Elf on the Shelf now that yes, her teacher put there. teachers are using oh, these. Teachers yes, that is absolutely. moving around the classroom. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes you can see it from the window outside her classroom as a door on the outside of the building. So now they're watching you Be on the playground too? Before school, we, the kids line up Oops. outside and look Almost in. Swore. So what, a few weeks or a few days ago, the elf was clearly visible through the window sitting on top of a projector. It was easy to see from outside. Her classroom has a window that's the height that grade two students can look through from the outside, but that window usually, usually has curtains drawn. There's another window that is a little bit higher that the curtains are open on. But in order to see through that window for the kids, they have to pull themselves up on the windowsill ledge. So all the kids that come to the classroom from the before school care that are not supposed to climb up on the windowsill ledge are now getting in trouble for climbing so up on the ledge. So why are they climbing up? Because they want to make sure they, the elf sees them? They want to find the elf before they get into the room. So in their search to oh, find so out you, where the elf is, the alpha thing they too? are getting in trouble. trouble. Keith, that's an interesting story. So uh, obviously one of the reasons people have, like this has taken a darker turn <laughs> is that the idea that we would say that there is this, you know, more than mortal figure, whether that's Santa Claus or that is watching you and keeping track of your behavior. Of course, that's one thing if you're talking about Santa Claus. It's another thing altogether if this is the concept that you're giving of faith or of uh, anything transcendent. The idea, and yet, is that still an idea that people are carrying with them? That Well, I, what I was just going to, I was going to, hi, I joined the... Producer Rick. This is Rick. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting melding of something I think that's true, and back to the conversation we are having before about a common thread your uh redemption, redemption. 
Um, and then the gifts we were talking about, I think it was interesting, was uh, a comforter, a blanket, um, and even a clock. Yeah, which clock radio. Comes into this, um, this, uh, this need we have to either know or be known and be comforted, um, especially the to be known thing that gets mixed up in this idea about uh, being watched. Um, mm. You go back to George Bailey. I mean, one of the most powerful scenes. You, you know me? You know me, Bert? Right? Um, Absolutely, yeah. And uh, so there is this weird thread of like, you know, like I said, I don't want to poo-poo this idea that God's watching, that he knows us. Mm-hmm. I just um, don't see it in a threatening way. No, that's exactly it. Not in a, I'm watching to look for you being bad or good. But don't we still to see that? Like, we totally it's do. It's not a like Orwellian like I, kind I, of I, yeah. watching. I mean, yeah. I'm no, like, I, I don't think my faith yeah. is kind of rigid, kind of fearful. But I, I still have that part of me that, that has to battle the sense that God is watching to keep track of the bad things I do or something. Right. No, of course. And, and, and the idea, I think sometimes people who are more conservative in their Christian faith think that if we give that up, we've lost a lot because then right. nobody will right. be good. Right. Like, then you'll just do bad things. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I really like your connection, Rick, between that sense of that which is comforting and the idea that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that ties really beautifully and actually into like a, a hopeful or wonderful uh, view of the incarnation at Christmas that Christ chose to, to draw close, to draw intimately like near to people, to his creation, and to be known by them and to know them that there was a, a very intentional decision to, to be close and to be relatable name, and to the be the name in, itself. Yes. And so us. I think it's yeah. so beautiful that like it, but it's this aspect of, of knownness of, of closeness with, with God. I, I don't, I don't like the, the threatening of it. No. And that's it. And if there's a way to, to communicate that, I think that's the thing we feel when we give the, a perfect gift some of these gifts that you know it, that you feel known look oh, look it's look the best in the positive mm. way and yeah. it's the hardest in the negative way when yeah. it's like do you even know me? yeah or exactly <laughs> oh weather um, tech <laughs> but so like you know, i, I poo poo the elf on the shelf thing i i we don't yeah. do it and i you know i've always thought it was stupid and now i'm thinking if there's a way to communicate to kids that they're right not change it up but, yeah but that they're known um that yeah in that, the class I, keith is it used well you probably wouldn't know this but I would imagine from knowing kids and how that if there's one elf watching all the kids' behavior, it turns some kids into other elves watching other kids' behavior. Uh, like that might be our daughter. Most likely. Oh, really? Seriously? Do you know our so daughter? So she kind of like, she's realizing that the elf doesn't see everything, so she reports to the elf yes. a little bit that somebody else has been bad. That is the, so our daughter. I mean, I think, but I think we're on to kind of getting close to the heart of some of this that the concept, it's okay that Santa's Santa, but certainly don't want to turn Jesus into Santa. We referred in one of the first episodes, again, to like this something Karl Barth said, that one of the things he battled the most in his theology was the idea that Christianity could be experienced as an anxiety. That And he said, those anxious things, that, like basically you're being watched and you must be doing something wrong, and so that's going to you know, be held against you. Uh, he said, we can't transfer our own anxiety onto the concept of Jesus Christ or uh, not the concept, sorry, to the person of Jesus Christ. We can't uh, transfer that concept of anxiety onto Jesus Christ himself. So that in the incarnation, when when God takes on flesh in Christ, which is what we believe as Christians, 
it is the it is very much the opposite of okay you know I've been watching and now here I am to kind of get you like look at the declarations around Christmas which are not in these specials for the most part like the ones that so it's not to say oh there's not enough Jesus in here whatever but just to notice how they are different there's not fear not declarations right there's just it's it's it actually is initiated with a lot of fear and will somebody be able to solve this crisis the Christmas story scripturally is every initiation by an angel is do not be afraid or fear not and then the song of the angels to the shepherds is um good news of great joy for all people right it's something so different than this kind of tabulation and keeping track and so i think for those of us who kind of share this christian faith if you're experiencing that moment of christmas i don't know if you look for that or whatever and something you think this year it happened i was at this concert and and you know now i feel really christmasy and what if you don't feel that or something but for me there is that sense of when is it kind of prayerfully or spiritually that i am going to be struck by the fact that god and I would say in Christ came for all and not to get you. Yeah. <laughs> not expressly not to keep track. Fear not. Good news of great joy for all the people. And I don't, I can experience it sometimes in church. I love the Christmas Eve service and Advent services, but it's often somewhere else or it's often in the middle of the mess that I'm watching a Christmas special that's ridiculous. And so I don't know, I, if we want to kind of, move as we kind of look towards closing to any kind of heartwarming Christmas memories you might have. So it doesn't have to be all Jesus-y or it can be like relate to us a story that happened. I'm going to get Rick to tell a story in a couple of minutes um, or ask him questions about it. Uh, so tell us something nice about Christmas. Well, I think for me, one of the things that stands out as a Christmas that was like, uh, it stands out because it was different. And you look at the Christmas list of gifts that I always wanted as a kid basically was a list from the Lego catalog. It was every yeah, cool. Lego set that I wanted, and that was my you list. You still have it? I think I have one or two somewhere. Okay. But. <laughs> lists or Lego sets? Lists of the Lego catalogs, possibly. No, do you have the, the Lego The, the actual Lego, I still have all of it. Okay. And I now play with it with my kids on a regular okay. basis. So, yes. But. One year, I think I got one little Lego set, and that was it. But I remember it being one of the best Christmas ever because there was a bunch of gifts that were addressed to both me and my brother. We had very few individual gifts that year. But one of the gifts, we opened it up, and it was a hamster cage. And then there was the... Is this the CD story? The, no, no, this is not the CD story. And the hamster had a little tiny CD. And so, was just looking perplexed. I'm like, how do I put this? So, but we had a hamster cage. And we're like, this isn't Lego. We, at first, we were like, that's a massive Lego set. This is going to be awesome. We opened it up, and it's a hamster cage. And then the next one was like the sawdust wood chip things for it. I'm and hamster a pattern food. with your parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all of these things. And then it was like a couple it's, days it's, later, we went wheel. to the pet store, and we got a hamster. And that was one of the greatest Christmases that I remember because we didn't get what we asked for. We got something that we had no idea we wanted, but we ended up loving That's so much. That's always the best, right? Yeah. You hear those stories. My dad always tells a story that, like, I think he told it to me when I was younger so that it's like, you know, lower your expectations. He always told me that, and my grandfather, Abe, it's like one of the best people in the world and... And so my dad, growing up with his parents, my grandparents, tells a story about one year they had no money. Often families have these stories, right? 
And one year, my my dad he says who he used to like deliver coal, like literally. Now I'm making a Christmas special, but and he was and he was a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and 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 yeah, and he didn't and and he didn't have work or something that Christmas or something happened financially. They were hit, and so my grandfather supposedly took all my dad's toys, which were wooden toys. And painted them and renewed them and stuff. And my dad says, and then, of course, the end of the story is, and it was the best Christmas ever, right? And so I remember that Christmas. It's the best one ever. And I think, like, you know, I think he was telling me because that was the best Christmas. But also there's that, like, don't don't put it all on gifts and stuff, right? So any other Christmas memories or stories that, Ken? I think for me, this isn't a memory. This is just, for me, the way Christmas works is there's always two moments for me it's whenever I get to hear the story. So when I was a little kid, it was when the Charlie Brown Christmas came on. And we talked about this, that you had to wait until CBC, yeah. you know, showed it the once they I were going to show it. When that came on, it was like, And yes. when, when Linus gets up and says, lights, please. Yeah. Something about that. Or, or even when you're sitting in scripture. church. Yeah. And when you're sitting in church and Christmas Eve and the candlelights and, and that. Uh, so there's that expectation of, I know when I hear the story. I'm going to know it's Christmas because it always catches my breath. And almost also every year, um, something catches me by surprise. Uh, a couple of years ago, I came across Gregory Porter, who I'd never heard of before. And he has a song, uh, Take Me to the Alley. And it just, Rick's not I listened, I listened to that song probably seven or eight times in a row, turned off. The, and it, that was Christmas for me. Or when I hear, someone get up and sing Oh Holy Night. And this happened a few years ago at one of our Christmas events. Yeah. And when you hit that line, his law was, is love, his gospel is peace. Yeah. Could, Chain shall we <laughs> break for our her. slave is our brother. Sorry. I weep when I hear those words. So there's always, for me, amongst all the busyness, been a pastor for the last 15 years and the craziness that that brings with Christmas, it's those moments mm -hmm. that remind me Mm -hmm. Okay, aside from all the other stuff, positive or negative, that's going on, it's it's that message of, of Emmanuel, of I redemption. Think, and I think for me, I don't know if you guys feel this. We, I mean, we're talking about hopeful faith, and we're trying to move in the direction of saying, like, we don't want to be upset at the world. And, and we've some of us have grown up in church culture where there's such stark divisions. One of the positive things I think I feel at Christmas time actually is this kind of strange, not like I have secret information and other people don't have it, so I'm privileged. It's it's so much better than that. It's the sense that while it's all a mess, and so you've got, you know, people selling Audis with comfort and joy as the slogan or something, or or Hallelujah Chorus is played when Clark Griswold uh, finally gets the lights to work in vacation, right? Um, you know, and one of the things I experience positively is that sense of carrying my faith and the exact awareness that the goodness of God over this whole earth is something that we don't all recognize. Even I miss most of it, obviously. We all miss most of it. But the sense that we're not separated from these other people who maybe aren't celebrating like we want, that God has come for all. And so there's this like carrying it. It's happened with my kids as well. That I like, especially when they were younger, I would think like, I've got to make sure we sit down and read the Christmas story before we open presents. Like, what a terrible, torturous thing maybe to do, right? But unless you've got it as a tradition or something like that. And but I thought like, as a good Christian dad, I should make sure that this is happening. And 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 now I think it's the point. I'm at the point where I'm like, obviously I'm gonna talk about. I can talk about my faith. Christmas is a good time to to do that. I'm not looking to do it strategically or anything. But there's just occasions that that comes up. 
But just that awareness that, so I picture being on a bus or being in a crowded mall or being, and that awareness that God has come for all, for every person here, for that super crazy stressed out person who fought me for the parking spot or I fought or whatever. or <laughs> um, Like I was at Costco this morning and it's a madhouse, right? And all of this, but it doesn't make me upset. It makes me realize when Christ was born, it wasn't any better. Most people didn't know, and God didn't tell most people. He told shepherds. And so it allows me to experience it to some degree even more. Any other co- Rick, you have your story that I don't want to remember all the details of your story. Oh, yeah. But all I know, and it's it's kind of like Die Hard. Like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Of course. Right. But yeah. apparently a lot of people don't think that it really is. Yeah. I, They're okay. wrong, right? So Crazy Rick's, Rick's, this is Rick's Christmas story in my life, because you told me this story. It was around Christmas time, maybe, that it happened. Okay, but for some reason, <laughs> I associate now. this story no, no, with Christmas, and I don't even fully remember it, but I'm glad you're going to tell it. I, okay, um, well, no, I was, I was going to get gas. It was a just a day, and I would go to the gas station and go to the pump, try to use the pump. The pump's not working, and um, I'm trying to remember it now off the top of my head, but I, and so I sort of, I guess, motion, and I, I, no, I noticed this guy kind of like, you know, waving his arms at me, and and, um, at another, like another guy getting gas? Uh, no, sorry, a gas station attendant, guy in a, oh, okay. you know, in a vest. And, uh, oh, yeah. and, uh, and I'm like, I, the, the, the pump's not working. And he has orange cones in his hand. And he like yells at me. He goes, he goes, that pump's not working. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, that's why there's a cone there. And I'm like, there's no cone there. And he's like, I'm about to put one there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all right. And, and he's just like, Dah! and he just sort of yells at me. And I, I'm, I'm I instantly get my like consumer hackles up and I'm like, you don't, I'm buying gas at your, like you don't have, I was all kind of getting my back up. It's night, nighttime, obviously. Uh, Let's make it night. It's better. It's late. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was was actually daytime, but uh, it was Christmas Eve. um, I remember. (laughs) And, uh, and I, I remember, you know, finally sort of, and it was, it was bad enough. Like it was, it was, it was offensive and it was, it was uncalled for. And I was feeling, uh, I was feeling not good about it. And so I go in, and uh, and he sees me and he kind of turns his back to me and he starts organizing the cigarettes on the cigarette thing, and uh, and there's another w- woman working so she rings in my thing, and uh, the the gas so this, I guess this was pre yeah when you couldn't pre-pay. do the debit yeah. so um, credit card yeah so I uh, I don't know what came over me I just kind of paid for the gas and then I'm like and can I get a, a, a coffee and, and she's like okay because the coffee was sort of to the side and she gives me a, a, a cup and then I I said actually can you give it to him to the to the working to the worker guy and he sort of turns around and um and he's like what and he sort of you could tell he was still sort of like what's going on and I'm like I just want to I was like I just want to buy a coffee man and uh and he's sort of gets all quiet and and he sort of shoulders drop and uh and I was like do you take anything in it and he's like you know whatever he's like no no black black's fine and so we get the coffee and give him a coffee and then he almost bursts out crying he's like huh. it's, it's been a hard day uh. and uh and i was just like oh man we just and we had a nice little word and and i left and 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 merry christmas <laughs> <laughs> i like yeah that story resonates for me just and i always think of it as a christmas story i why do i anybody like i'm not quizzing you no idea. I tell it every I, I Christmas. Think it's, the, it's been a hard day. Yeah. Something yeah. about Christmas, the anticipation. I love Christmas, but it's also a little bit exhausting. Yeah. And so there's something about this idea of it's just, it's been a long day. 
And I think all of us can feel that at some point during the Advent season, whether it's just the rushing to find the perfect gift or trying to make the plans or trying to figure out the meal or whatever it might be. Or it might be accompanied with a little bit of loneliness or that idea that maybe this isn't going to be the best Christmas ever. Yeah. And I I mean, I think this hyper, in no way putting myself anywhere in this other than to say, and it's just that back to the elf on the shelf, it's the, the grace of, you know, maybe he felt like he was going to get something else. Um, mm. Yeah, know, like something negative. And I was going, and I, I actually was going in when I saw you him, were upset. thinking I was going to give him something yeah. else, yeah. right? I was going to give him a piece of my mind or give him, you know, the cold shoulder or whatever. Um, and then um, back to this, you know, being known and being given. See, it's we, why it's a know. Christmas story to me, yeah. that is that I, what I read, and the first time you told it to me, I pictured that guy. Yeah. And not, I don't know this to be true or not, but, you know, most people working at a gas station on Christmas Eve really late. I mean, we're now we're changing the story or adding to it. But no, like, aren't, like, I wish I could work at a gas station. And yeah. and that there is a sense when I hear you tell me that that he said it's been a tough year or t- tough day, um, that we are playing with this idea or holding this idea that we've disappointed someone. And not just that it's been stressful, which is true, but also that I haven't measured up for somebody else and now you're upset at me too and and of course the gift and it's a reflection of the incarnation is that you're not going to go after him (laughs) you're offering him goodness instead and and not trying to teach him anything (laughs) or you know like you know and, and there is something that connects to the incarnation in that story and when you say the george bailey thing that's why that moment resonates for those of us who share Christian faith, and it doesn't—you don't have to be Christian, but the, the, again, like you say, Rick, that idea that you're known, and of course, for us, this would be in terms of the transcendent, or in terms of something beyond, you know, self in this earth. That am I known? Like, who's the, what's the well, who's the guy's name that he says that to? Bert. Bert. Bert, you know me, you know, and that—that's the prayer that at Christmas, God comes in Christ, and we respond with. You know me, and you're not out to get me. Yeah. And now we have something. So that, for me, the frustration is: why would we take something like that and get upset at people at Christmas time, who aren't, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season? Damn it! Put you know, the like Christ it, back in Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Put the Christ back in Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like well, I didn't take him out, and you can't take him out if you if you wanted to. And you know, I know it's true that that. There are in our multicultural and secular uh, society, you've got to be careful at things like public schools at Christmas time or whatever sometimes. And and I've seen both. I've seen public school where it's a straight out Christmas production, or others where there's no mention at all, winter festival or whatever. And I'm not really bothered it in in either way. And I'm not like celebratory when it's the real Christmas thing. Like good, now we're back to the. Uh, I'm back to that sense of if this is what Christmas was. Back to Rick's story then I will refuse to particularly use this story to tell people how bad they've been. (laughs) It it just can't work that way. It didn't work that way when Christ came. And so we are being far, far less than Christian in my mind. That's why it's my consternation at that is not kind of like we need to be more casual. We need to be, you know, more connected with people who don't believe this. It's that we're twisting the message of Christ if we use it in such a way. Any other Christmas little things before we end? And we'll end with goop because that's very Christmassy. 
Are we going to end with goop? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. But I thought it was goop. Any other Christmas stories? I just have a Christmas memory, and it's it's not churchy at all, actually. It's just that thinking back to the, the Christmas specials that we've been talking about. My mom, when I was a kid, was always frustrated by the fact that things like The Grinch was on once, but it was on too late. It was past my bedtime. And so oh, this is a good start. She, she got frustrated by that, and so she took a VHS. I don't know how many people remember the VHS tapes back I in the day. I had all the Simpsons episode on VHS. <laughs> Every episode. And she took one of those eight-hour-long ones and spent a Christmas recording. Best gift ever. All of them at night. And she went as far as hitting pause every time there was a commercial. And so I had, and I wish I still had it because I can picture the tape. I can picture her writing with this little like table of contents of each one wow. that was there. I remember the order that some of them ran. Charlie Brown was first and Alvin and the Chipmunks was second. And I watched and it. And nobody recorded over it. No. Okay. <laughs> I watched it every year. Do and you it, still it had have it? Rudolph. I wish I did yeah. and I don't. But it had Rudolph and it had Santa Claus is coming to town. It had all of the ones we talked about with the exception of the life and adventures of Santa. Yeah. Thanks be but to God. <laughs> <laughs> praise be. Um, but Under his it's eye. something that I look back on now and think the time that it took my mom to record those on the CBC or whatever. Do you kind of wish you had some of the ads now? I kind of yeah, do, be, be, but of course as a kid, like, yeah. how no, great. It's still, it's the I best just, for her, because you know the care she took. Yeah. And she knew you. She, she knew, knew me. You. Yeah. We won't end with goop, because it's the opposite feeling. Yeah. And, and, you know, so this is this ad that's on right now that, uh, that Gwyneth Paltrow doing at Christmas mm-hmm. All Perfectly, which is even making fun of it and doing the, um, and, you know, we've just said, we'll, we'll accept the whole mess. And so, uh, so we'll keep getting together at Christmas time, and we'll be frustrated, and uh, somebody's going to disappoint us, and we're going to disappoint Keith somebody. Keith will be so happy. Keith will be so happy. And, happy. and uh, eating. Is there any more cake left over? We've got some eggnog and rum left over. We're going to have a fantastic time, and uh, some good Christmas to see us out here. Thanks, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Say what you want, can you say what you want to